Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Really difficult journey. We want to go home. All along the Ukrainian border, you hear the same thing. As a tide of reluctant refugees crosses into Poland. Our husbands, our parents, they didn't want to go. Even us, we also didn't want to leave, but we want to save our children. That's why we come here. We hope that it's not for a long time and we soon will come back home. Around 4 million Ukrainians, mostly women and children, have left the country in the past month. Many are desperate to return. Everyone thinks that, you know, Ukrainians are so lucky at the moment because there are so many doors open to them. But, you know, we want to stay. Certainly the will is there to return. Putin can change that. I mean, if he starts to gas people or chemical weapons, that completely changes. Then you want to make your home somewhere else. Of those who stayed behind, a further six and a half million people have been displaced within Ukraine. It's becoming the fastest growing refugee crisis since World War II. So how does it feel when war forces you to flee your own home? You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, dispatches from the Ukrainian border. Przemysl was the main place, but we drove in both directions. It's quite a sprawly border, and there are a number of border crossings. That's Roger Boyce, diplomatic editor of The Times. He recently reported from Przemysl, a Polish town less than 10 miles from the Ukrainian border. It used to be a big smuggling centre for that part of Europe. And in fact, I remember in the old days when I was a correspondent in Poland in the 90s, one of the big scandals was puppy smuggling from Ukraine. So puppy they would smuggling. breed puppies and they would breed puppies <laughs> and smuggle, smuggle them into what was then the EU. 
weirdly, when you see refugees flooding in at the moment, a lot of them, really a lot of them have got dogs and cats with them because they're just terrified of the... Well, first of all, the animals are terrified by the explosions, but they're terrified that the dogs will be left locked up and just starved to death. You know, it's a terrible thought for them. One of the questions always when you're at this border is, uh, what did you leave behind? This is yeah. this classic decision, your house is on fire, what do you take with you, you know? They take their dogs. <laughs> Roger, I know you spent quite a lot of time in one of the local stations there. Mm. If I was to go and stand in the middle of that station now and look around, as you did recently, what would I be looking at? Well, I was there several days in a row, so the picture changed slightly. But basically, it's Przemysl uh, we're talking about mainly. That's the main one that arrives. And the trains arrive from Kiev. The train arrives about 12. And it gets disgorged. It's, you know, 4,000 people. And the kids get handed cuddly toys and these kind of things. But they're all completely white because they've been standing. Yeah, They've been standing maybe for 11 hours, which is not not what it should take to go from Kiev, but they've had to probably, because the trains are so full up, they've had to wait for three or four before they can find a place. They think that they're at the end of their journey and certainly feel like that physically, but of course they're not. They're about halfway through. So there's a scene in the station hall, kind of Baroque-ish, Habsburg-era kind of, station hall and all the chaos that involves soup kitchens someone drawing up a list of apartments where they can stay people who volunteered it interpreters polish and ukrainian are not as not as similar as one would think there's quite a big gap and vets vets to look after the dogs and things and then a lot of people also from around europe they're not sadly from britain are holding up pieces of paper and saying we can take 30 people to Munich and they've hired a bus and I spent a lot of time talking to um, uh, while we were waiting for the train to arrive a woman from Valencia who'd got a private initiative to bus people it was really who wants to go to Spain for free but it was already a long journey and it's even longer one through Europe there was a woman there who was who some guy from Austria she'd met 15 years earlier and she'd lost contact with. And uh, he just sent a message because he'd seen the TV and, and said, I'll pick you up. And he'd driven, or he was on his way from deepest Tyrol or wherever, to Przemysl, which is also kind of the end of the earth, to pick her up, a woman he hadn't seen for 15 years, and her son. That's remarkable. Yeah, just it was just spontaneous acts. But if you go round to Platform 5, you will see the people queuing up to go on the same train back to Kiev. Kiev. Now, that, that sounds counterintuitive. Are they just depositing their families and going back to, to fight? No, no, because they were never let out in the first place. They'd been there before the war. Because nowadays, if you're between 18 and 60 and a male, you're not allowed to leave the country. Uh, you're supposed to stay and fight. So these are people who were already in Poland working or whatever and who are now going back to do their duty. And talking to them is really interesting because you go as a reporter and you ask them and you expect, especially as a lot of them got shaved heads and stuff, you expect that they're getting ready to go back to war. But, but one, I remember some middle-aged guy was saying goodbye to his mum and dad 
they were all both in tears because he was going back. And so you have, as a reporter, this kind of rather awkward moment where, you know, the man's just yeah. said goodbye to his past life and you can say, well, what's all that about then, that kind of thing. But he was quite clear. He said, I'm going back uh, because my best friend is there and uh, I need to be with him. When I was sitting on the bus from Lviv to Krakow, there was a girl that was crying so much. That's Natalia Grivniak, Ukrainian journalist. We first heard from her a few weeks ago when she was still in Kiev. Back then, as the air raid sirens wailed around her, she was desperately trying to decide what to do. She wanted to get on one of the crowded trains out of Kiev just to get somewhere a little bit safer. But Natalia was torn. Although her mother had begged her to leave, she was stubbornly refusing to join her. Last week, Natalia finally crossed the border into Poland on a coach full of people who were also devastated by what they'd left behind. She was crying because she was saying goodbye to her friend. It wasn't even her family, but it was her friend. But she was crying so loud. Mm. And she was like my age, 35, 34 years old. And she was crying so much and so loud. And and she couldn't stop. And then other people started to cry. And you saw how people really didn't really want to leave. And everyone was talking about that. And when I came here to Krakow, and started talking to Ukrainians. The same thing. Everyone thinks that, you know, Ukrainians are so lucky at the moment because there are so many doors open to them. You can go anywhere in the, in the world and everything is open for you. Everything is being handed to you. Everyone is speaking to you. Everyone is talking about you. Everyone is interested in you. But for the moment, you think, okay, thank you so much, but we want to stay. You cannot imagine how tied people are to their own country. Mm. That's something I, I respect. That's something I'm in, in awe of. In generally, I'm in awe of my of my population, of my people, how they unite, how they try to help. Like my colleagues, they stay in Kiev, they stay in Mariupol, they stay in uh, Kherson, in Chernigiv, in all those cities that are bombarded, destroyed completely. Natalia, it sounds like there's some children behind you in the lobby. I guess there must be lots of the families who've made it across. Where are you? At the moment, I'm in a hotel in Krakow, not so far away from the border between Ukraine and Poland. It's very sunny outside and um, I'm in, sitting in the lobby looking uh, at the TV where uh, there are some Polish news. People are wearing Ukrainian flags, like little little things on your clothes that just kind of like a symbolic things that I support Ukraine. And there's lots of advertisement about how Polish people support Ukraine. So, yeah, and, the way, and in the lobby, I'm hearing constantly Ukrainian language. There are a lot of Ukrainians here, a lot. That must be reassuring right now. Well, at the moment, it's just, it seems like, uh, because the reason why I didn't go further, it's not only because of work, but also because I, I don't, I didn't really want to leave. 
And for me, it's kind of like the proximity towards Ukraine matters. And it's not only only to like to me. Yesterday, I've been talking to a woman um, at the breakfast, and she's also from Ukraine. And she also said that she chose Krakow to come, not to go to Warsaw or to Berlin or to anywhere else where evacuation trains are taking people right now or buses. And she's like, no, I, I'm gonna stay in Krakow. It's just it's it's, a, it's just like really close to Ukraine. I, I can come back. We can come back in like in three, four hours and you're and you are in Lviv again. Yeah. So it's just kind of like a proximity and kind of the connection to Ukraine as well. I mean, Natalia, take us back because the last time we spoke to you, you were in Kiev and you were going to try the trains on a really regular basis. You were desperate to get out, but it was incredibly hard. The trains were so crowded. Tell us what happened after that. How have you managed to get to Krakow? Uh, well, at first I went to Lviv, and in Lviv I spent almost two and a half weeks, or even more. I, I think even more, three weeks I've been working. And it's much, of course, it's much calmer than in Kiev, but still you got the sirens going on um, up to mm. five, six times per day. So whenever you're sleeping or wherever you're like taking a shower or anything like this, I mean, they usually strike at night. So you usually anticipate some of the alarm going on at night. During daytime, it's not so scary. But at night, it's, it gives you more tension and gives you more anxiety and gives you more stress out of that. I mean, that must have been so unexpected because when we spoke to you, you left Kiev because, you know, that with all the backdrop of the sirens and, and the bits of shelling that you could hear, it was just, it was impossible to work. Everybody thought the west of the country was safe and then... Around the time you got there, it started being bombed. Yeah, I think it's my luck. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I hope I didn't bring it with me. No, I'm, I'm kidding. It's just, sorry, it's actually a serious issue and serious topic and serious conversation. And we're laughing about that. But I, I guess when you laugh... Sometimes you have yes, to. Yes, it's true. When you laugh, it's, it's just, you need to laugh sometimes just to get it out of your, out of your system. So... No, in in Western Lviv, in Western Ukraine, is much safer. Of course, it's definitely much safer, and a lot of people are thinking about that as kind of like oasis, like a safe haven, mm. where they people are coming and trying to live their normal lives, if if that's possible. But at least they are in their own country, right? They at least they understand how it goes. Even though it's so hard to find accommodation, so hard to do anything right now in Western Ukraine, even to, to buy. Provision. Like I tried, I have specific needs and I tried to buy some of the provision and basically it was impossible. It's like the, the supermarkets have um, empty shelves almost. Uh, it's not because there is a problem with the supply, it's just the demand over, uh, overseeds the supply. So I tried working and, and actually I actually could work. I thought that the proximity to my mother that I also that also came back after me in 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 a week she came with her my dog and 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 herself and her friend she came to Lviv and I rented an apartment for them and so she stayed there and the proximity to them to my family to my boyfriend that gave me strength to actually work 24/7 in Lviv I I literally work 24/7 I cannot stop I I try my best to do as much as I can so of course by feeling that you're like 10 minutes or 20 minutes away from your mom mm. or from your boyfriend or from actually 
half 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 of your friends are in the western part of the country it's unfortunately but many from kiev managed to escape to Lviv. you can buy basically by walking in in the city center you're just literally every five meters you just meet someone you know so for me it's kind of like that gave me strength that you're not alone so Like right now, leaving them behind for the second time, uh-huh. that's stressful, of course. Like right now, I'm feeling desperately lonely. I am I'm surrounded by people, but I'm lonely. It sounds really hard. What, what made you do it? What made you leave? Oh, uh, well, first of all, that was a proposal and a condition of the media that I'm working for right now as a contributor. And mm. they said that they would want me to stay if I want to the border, but just to report from there. And that was one of the conditions. And the second one, it was begging of my mom <laughs> once again. She really wants me to leave. She says that she really wants me to be safe. And she was basically talking yeah. about that every single day. It just, you go, you settle, and I will come to you. So that's her motivation and manipulation. <laughs> People still really don't know whether West Ukraine is safe. They've come through West Ukraine in order to get to Poland, but they don't know how safe it will remain. Those people, on the whole, want to stay close to the border because they may have to haul other friends and relatives over or find some kind of apartment or some kind of, as I say, settled existence to provide comfort for these people. But the others from eastern Ukraine or from Mariupol or Kharkiv, mm. all these places that are being flattened, well, they've got nothing to go back to. They've already made their farewells, I really? think, in that sense. Yeah, yeah. You can, you can see, they don't want to articulate that, but you can feel it. You can sense it that they've, that's it now. And that's it probably for them and Ukraine, because some of these places are destined to fall under Russian control, whatever happens, not just because Russia has flattened these, in particular, these two cities, Kharkiv and and Mariupol, but also uh, because the kind of people who will run these places in the East will not welcome them back. You know, there are already stories of people from Mariupol being deported to Russia itself in like some horrible echo of other wars, the Second World War in particular, when these things happened. So at the moment, they just want to block the country out and and go the next stage of the journey. Coming up, could there be problems ahead for a refugee crisis of this scale? But first, a message from the front. I'm Louise Callahan, a foreign correspondent for the Sunday Times. I'm currently in Ukraine, reporting on the Russian invasion. My colleagues and I report from war zones to shed light on what is really happening on the ground. But I couldn't do that without the help of the readers and listeners of the Times and the Sunday Times. Subscribe today and enjoy one month free. Visit thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Tyler, it sounds like you've been meeting a lot of people along the way as a refugee, but also as a reporter. Tell me a bit about some of the people you've met. I had an interesting experience crossing the border. It was at night and we were standing on the border for approximately three hours because they were checking our mm. bus and they're checking our bags. And we, we were standing for a long time. And I remember two characters that got into my head at the moment. One is the little girl that was trying to consistently to break away from her mom. She, she was like two or three year old girl. She just wanted to, to to walk away and she didn't want to stand in that line. She didn't want to go. She didn't want to pass. That that kind of went into my into my head. Another guy, when we were standing and waiting for the bus, he was st- saying, like, I just received a message that the house close to mine has been bombarded and that some of the, his people that he knew had been injured. Okay. And he was telling and he was telling that by standing in the line waiting for the bus. So he was like, everyone is talking right now about Mariupol. Everyone is talking about other cities. But my town, little town in, in Krivoyrik region, has been shelled completely, almost completely. And I asked whether your house has been, is fine. And he was like, you know, some damages, but it's fine. It's, I still have a house. That's good. This is all while you're standing in line for the bus. Yes. I mean, three hours. Yes. It's just, it, it, there were so many people and so many characters. You cannot imagine. And everyone has their own story to tell. For instance, a girl, she said that she had a couple of her own children and she took them away for maybe one week ago uh, for Europe. And then she came back and because she couldn't find any job in Europe. So she came back to Lviv to, to try to work. And then she was forced again to leave. Because in Lviv, it's impossible right now to find accommodation. It's impossible right now to, you know, to find work as well. And she was forced to leave and said, well, at least in Europe they are, you know, proposing, you know, some shelters. That's another story, also in the line by when waiting for the bus. 
in a holding center along the border, there was a big kind of outlet center with plumbing. So it was like 10 B&Qs all merged into one. So quite horrific. And all beds, yeah, all, all dormitories. Oh, wow. And, and so one half of those beds were indeed women with their children, Ukrainian women with children. But the other half were people... Uh, Kyrgyzian, they even made in between the different aisles of the shopping outlets, they'd put up street names in Turkic languages. So oh, really? there were Turkmans that were Kyrgyzis, Kyrgyzis, I suppose. They were cooking their own meals and stuff. And they were the only men. They were the only men in the hall. So obviously, I, I wanted to find out what they were doing there. And a lot of them had fled Afghanistan after August, after the fall of Kabul. Either Afghanistan or from neighboring countries of Afghanistan. And they'd all fled to Ukraine because Ukraine was open, offered scholarships and construction jobs. And then all that fell apart. So they'd gone... So they've had to flee yeah, a so second they'd, time they'd around. gone from one cr crisis to yeah. another. And then once there, once in the east of Ukraine, they fled again to western Ukraine yeah, or to Kiev initially and then to western Ukraine. That's when you think, well, maybe this has become the human condition because, you know, that you're basically on the run. Basically, huge, huge, huge chunk of our civilization is actually on the run. How does this refugee crisis compare to, to others? Yeah, I mean, Germany went through different cycles, you may remember, with the Syrians. And one of the side effects of the, the Syrian inflow in Germany was, of course, the rise of a far-right party, which ended up as an, an almost stable force within the German parliament. And no one thought that would ever happen uh, because of what had happened in the Second World War. So there is this thought, and it's not just weirdo conspiracy theorists, that Putin may be trying to weaponize mass migration. It's We're at about, about two and a half million in Poland, four million total, but there's an awful lot of internally displaced Ukrainians. And if everyone in the end heads for the West, then it could be 10 million. And that's a lot. That's a lot. And it puts incredible strains on political systems. And the goodwill disappears then, because that's the way it works, because people can't, can't deal with the idea that their own children are being disadvantaged by the presence of foreigners' children, strangers' children. And that's a really toxic, toxic element. And so it could be that Putin has this as some master plan, could be, or it could be that it just happens that way, or it could be that we get it right, or that different countries get it right, and I'm hoping for the latter. Also, it must be said, fleeing from Syria is different from fleeing from Ukraine. I mean, it is what I would call an elastic migration. There is quite a lot of potential, anyway, for them to return. I mean, certainly the will mm. is there to return. Putin can change that. I mean, if he starts to gas people or yeah. chemical weapons, this is what Assad, as Assad did, then you change everything. That completely changes. Then you want to make your home somewhere else. It's very uh, hard to want to go back and rebuild your country when... Yeah, when he's knocked down your house and he's um, closed the schools and he's poisoning, dropping poison bombs on bread queues, which is the Assad, Bashar al-Assad's record. Is that the way it's going to end up there? We, we don't know yet. We don't know yet.
I forgot to tell you one thing. Yesterday when I was working, I'm consistently working in the lobby, and I, I forgot to turn off my phone and an alarm system went off. So I have an app that shows when their uh, alarm or siren goes on. It's, you can put your region where you're located in Ukraine and whenever there is a siren or like a prediction that might be something is happening from the skies, you know, rockets or missiles or whatever, you have this app that trans- transmits. Basically, I'm sitting and working and suddenly my alarm goes, the siren goes off. And people that were sitting next to me, I've been talking to him. He was a Norwegian volunteer. He was sitting nearby also working on his laptop and suddenly this alarm goes off. He didn't know what it was. When I explained what it was, he said, that's how it sounds? I said, yeah. And he's like, first of all, I haven't cried for a long time. And he had tears in his eyes when he heard that song, that the siren. And then he said, I think the best thing to do is just to show or to make other people hear it wherever you go, just how it, how it sounds. Mm. It's just for the people to understand what it is like to have a war. Because no one, no, not, no, not really people can grasp this concept. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Manveen Rana, and my guests, the diplomatic editor for The Times, Roger Boyce, and Ukrainian journalist, Natalia Grivniak. You can find all of Roger's work and all of our coverage of the war in Ukraine at thetimes.co.uk with a subscription or in print. This episode was produced by Taryn Siegel, The executive producer is Kate Ford, and sound design was by Rob Colquhoun. If there's a story you'd like us to look into, any ideas for future episodes or any thoughts on what you've just heard, do drop us a line to storiesofourtimes at thetimes.co.uk. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.